I want to praise the Lord tonight. Um, he's been so good to me. <laughs> the things he's done in my life are incredible. Um, about now, three weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in my office trying to make a phone call to a customer, and I felt a tap on the back of my chair. And I turned around, and my supervisor said, come with me. And we went straight to HR, and I was laid off and walked out, straight out to my car. And uh, that was uh, not completely unexpected. I knew some of those things were going to happen. Didn't know it was going to be me necessarily. But I want to praise the Lord because of his faithfulness. You know, he said, don't be concerned about what you're going to eat or where you're going to lay your head. I will take care of it. I don't have a place to lay my head. And he's done that. I virtually haven't had a day. I, uh, I got a call um, almost immediately after laid off. Can you make a trip? I drove a hot shot down to uh, New Orleans, and, uh, and it paid well enough. Um, and then got a call from a, a friend that said, I'm trying to finish siding the house, and i got to build a deck. Can you help me? And... Uh, and in the process of starting to help him with that, Sherry come across a, uh, a question on Facebook from a friend from a former church asking if someone could bid uh, another deck for him. And I don't know if that will work out or not, but God's faithful, and he takes care of his own, right? And uh, just amazing. I do covet your prayers. Um, when this service is over, I'll be climbing in a truck, and I'm headed back to New Orleans uh, tonight. So when you get up tomorrow morning, I'll be... Way down south, y'all. I'll be through Shreveport about 1 or 2 o'clock this morning, so, or in the morning. Um, but I'm thankful. God takes care of us, doesn't he? Yeah. And by the way, I don't miss the pressure of that job one bit, okay? <laughs> it hasn't helped my hair grow any. And it hasn't stopped me from sweating. But I'll tell you what, God takes care of us. I believe, I'll tell you this, that it's not the first time that's happened uh, in my life. I, I am able to lean on God a lot better this time. I've been through it. He's led me through it. We've been there. And, uh, and while there's concern, there's not the anxiety as was mentioned this morning. And I want to praise God for that. Uh, anyone else? Okay, well then I'll try to preach if that's the way you're going to be. If I were going to title this tonight, which I guess I will, I would call it, in it to win it. Does anybody in here like to lose? Me neither, buddy. I hate to lose, okay? I might not be as vocal as Branson about it, but I don't like to lose, okay? There's just something in me that wants to compete and I want to win. Now, I want to play on a level playing field. I don't, I don't want to cheat. But if I can know I can win, if I can know I can work to do it, I'm going to do it. In fact, my son pointed out to me last Sunday night that I'm still a little bit competitive. Most of you probably didn't see this. Most of you weren't at Sunday night softball, okay? But I, I was pitching, and I threw a beautiful pitch <laughs> to Travis Fiox who immediately hit it straight back at me and bounced it off of my shin. Now, nothing wrong with that, and I wasn't upset at Travis at all. It was a 
I don't know if it was an accident, but even if it wasn't, it didn't matter. It was part of the game. Okay? But what my son seen that probably nobody else did was that flicker come out in my eye. And as quickly as 43-year-old, over 300-pound legs can pounce on something, I pounced on that ball and I threw Travis out. And as soon as I threw him out at first, I pumped my fist. And my son seen it. And he pointed it out to me when we got home. And I said, I can't believe anybody's seen that. I, I, I wasn't upset at anybody. It was that fire inside. I want to win. I want to, I want to win the battle. I want to fight and win. And, uh, you know what? That'll carry us in life done right. Okay. It wasn't a bad attitude. It wasn't anything like that. But I, I mean, it fired me up for a second. What fires you up? Are you in it to win it? Let's pray before I get started. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for the privilege to stand behind this desk tonight. Thank You, Lord, for the Word that You've given us. Lord, we thank You for this church and this people and Your blessings. We pray, dear Lord, that You would speak through me. You would open the ears of the people. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You would turn to Galatians 5 and verse 7. Paul is writing to the Galatians. One verse. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now what's the truth? The truth is Jesus. These people, it was the church of Galatia, they were saved. Um, the you ran well believe it or not, studied would indicate that obviously they were a church and they were saved. Uh, being this, Paul loved uh, athletics. He, liked, he, taught, he wrote often about the Olympics. And, and so he, in, in Corinth, there was uh, many races and they, they had the games as well uh, on a regional level and they would compete against other cities. And, and so he knew the people when he, when he talked about you ran well, they would understand what he was talking about. The you ran well that starts that says, uh, we don't run, but I want to get this out of the way. You don't, we don't run to be saved. We're in the race because we are saved. Okay? A contestant in the Greek games couldn't compete unless he was a citizen. Okay? So just a further explanation of that. We're talking to the Christians here. But these Christians had been hindered. The second part of that verse says, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The truth being Christ. Paul used the metaphor of racing. He described them uh, as having had someone cut into their lane. How many of you ran in a race, a competitive race? They ran track in school or whatever. Okay, Some of you have done it at a lot higher level than I did. But I ran enough races and competed enough to understand that when they give you a lane, you stay in that lane. You get out of that lane, you're disqualified. And so what he's talking about here is, when it's translated is, in their race, in their Christian and spiritual race, someone had swerved into their lane and caused them to take a detour. And they had gotten way out in the brush. They were way off. It, it was so bad that in the chapter before this, in 
uh, chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul wondered aloud or in, in the, in the uh, scriptures if they were his enemy. I mean, that's the way it felt. They were that mean and, and ugly towards him. And it had to do with uh, simply the fact that, well, what was their detour? This is the church of Galatia. Their detour was legalism. They had had some people come in, sneak in, and, and try to take them back towards the old law. Um, circumcision was one of the big things. We have to be careful of that. We have to protect our race. We have to keep our focus in our lane and not, hey, it's so easy to get legalistic. And I'm not going to jump out and name a bunch of things, but it's easy to start looking around at other people and thinking, well, we need to do this. And really what legalism does is it binds us up. It, 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 it will destroy our race, not right off. Some legalism as we start will see, seem and sound good. But, you know, you can tie your arm behind you or in front of you to your side, and you still run pretty good. Maybe not quite as fast, but you can still stay in your lane and you can still run. You can even tie both arms down and still run. Not like some Christians do. Some people. We want to tie our hands behind our back. We want to, we want to, we want to tie other people's hands back. But they can't do this. That, and we want to start pointing out others' faults. And by the time you get down to tying up a leg, and then the other leg, there's nothing getting done, right? And we're all bound up in legalism. And that's what had happened to them over circumcision. They had started out so well. They had ran, they, they got saved, they came in, and they had lost what was said at one time, their first love. Really, they had, they had lost that fire, that, that desire. They were more interested in picking each other apart, tearing someone down, than seeing the kingdom of God. Paul was all about spreading the gospel and seeing people saved, and the Galatians had lost that. They really weren't in it to win it anymore. So how would you run that race to win it? I'm glad you asked. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, we have the prescription of how to run this race and run it right. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race, all run, but one receives a prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temper, temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I should become disqualified. Paul was concerned about being disqualified from the race himself. When, when someone committed to being an Olympian, they had to join the local gymnasium. They had to commit to training every day for at least ten months. And it was a hard life. 
and they couldn't go to parties, and they couldn't eat food. They had to eat coarse food, food that was laid out. They had trained. If they were caught cheating at this, they would be allowed to come into the games, and then the caller would call them out and disqualify them. And this is what Paul's talking about. Now, they could come back and compete in another race another day, but it might be two or four years. And so it would be a lot of time lost, a lot of, and there's still records of those. I mean, they talk about 800 or 700 B.C., the Olympian who won three Olympics in a row. I mean, they still have those records available. They found them. It was a big deal at that time. And so, but I want to I take a look at verse 25. It says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate means discipline. I told you, there's, there's some here that have competed a lot higher level than I have. But I'll never forget, I was a senior in high school, and I had actually been on the track team. Uh, it wasn't a big school, so I don't want anybody, I, was a, I might have been a big duck, but I was in a really little puddle. Okay? And, <clears throat> but I had been on the track team since a freshman. I had been on the ball team um, since I was actually in eighth grade. I was in a private school, and they let, let me be on the team in the eighth grade. And... Uh, uh, had trained, loved ball, loved competing, loved sports. And I came up to my senior year, and as soon as basketball season was over with, um, I knew, I knew, even knew who I was going to be competing against. Obviously, I'd been playing basketball against them and stuff. And I knew that there was one final ball tournament, track tournament coming. And I didn't want to be unprepared. And so I began to train. I didn't have a coach that could really train me, could teach me a lot of things, but I found a weight set in my dad's garage, and I knew how to do push-ups. Now, the problem with all that was this. Um, I went to school. I got up at 6.30, went to school every morning. When I came home, my dad owned two auto parts stores, and when you have a family-owned business, family-owned business comes first. And so I would work for my dad, and I'm not complaining about that at all, uh, but I would work for my dad till about midnight every night. Um, we had a machine shop in the back. We owned two auto parts stores, just like the O'Reilly stores. We had a machine shop in the back, and we rebuilt engines. And so I was carrying engines around all the time and all that, cleaning them up and, and, and rebuilding them for him and working with him. And I would we'd usually knock off about midnight and go home. Then I could actually train. I didn't know what I was doing, but I decided three nights a week, I need to lift weights. The other two nights a week, I'll do 150 push-ups and 150 set-ups. So I'd lift weights one night, do 150 set-ups. The next night, do 150 push-ups and whatever. And then we practiced ball. We had track practice and things like that. But I was committed. I wanted to win that last track meet. I wanted to do everything I could. I knew I was going to kind of be the leader on my team. And so I was doing everything I could to get ready. The problem, one of the issues, in our spiritual lives, we're going to face issues, right? I developed tendonitis in my elbow and in my shoulder. That's a problem when you're one of the better pitchers and you're the shortstop on the team uh, and, you're, and you're throwing the shot put. 
But I was practicing every day. I wasn't letting up. I would just take ibuprofen or inflammatories, whatever, anti-inflammatories, whatever it took to continue to practice. I knew I couldn't miss that. And, uh, and so it came, uh, the day of my track meet. Now, what was really special about that one, obviously, was my last one. And this is emotional for me, not for you. My dad worked hard to supply for us. We had family-owned business. My dad had never been able to come and see me play basketball, baseball, or attract me. But he came to the last one. And I had prepared and I had done everything I could to be ready. And we played in the ball tournament and I had a pitch and my shoulder gave out and we lost. And we started through the day, the rest of the day into the track meet and it came shot put. And I was throwing the shot put farther than anybody. There wasn't going to be anybody close to me. The problem is my shoulder had gave out. And I placed like third or fourth in front of my dad. He'd never seen me. He'd never been there. Now, I have a son. I have a daughter. I understand he didn't care he was there to see me. It wasn't about seeing me win. But it seemed like that whole day, everything I went through, I didn't do it to my best. He didn't get to see me win. And I should have. And I knew I had prepared for it. And I was so frustrated all day long. Might have won a team sport, and we were competing for a team trophy, and was doing pretty well. But I came up to the last event that I was going to be a part of, is a 200-meter or a 220-yard dash. It was the last race that I was going to be in in high school. Um, I had trained hard. Um, my shoulder wasn't involved other than going back and forth, only my legs. And I wouldn't call him a nemesis. But the guy that I had competed the hardest against all year was in that race, about three lanes over. And I looked at the rest of the competitors, and I knew that I would only have to compete against him. I want to look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race... All run, but one receives the prize. Now this is set up where Christians can all win that prize. But they have to run their race. They have to stay focused. Have to stay in your lane. But God is there. God's there. God is with us. This last race that I was in, I lined up. Uh, I was more focused on winning. I didn't know where my dad was. I knew he was there and he would be watching. And the gun sounded and we took off. And I was right. I jumped out into the lead, tied with the guy three lanes over. And we were stride for stride. And I knew in my mind one of us would break inside that 200 meters. Somebody's stride will break slightly. And I was so frustrated, I was focused that it was not going to be me. The thought crossed my mind, 
to reach out and grab him. Whatever it took to win. Right? Okay? It crossed my mind. It really did. And I know that it disqualified me. But whatever it took, he wasn't going to beat me. At about the 150 mark, his, his stride slightly broke. He had a little less motivation than I did. And at about that time, I looked up. My dad had made his way to the finish line. And he was looking at me. He was cheering. He was pulling for me. And I was running straight to my dad. And I didn't see that guy the last 50. I was all in. The first time my dad seen me, and I won my last race. And I came through, and my dad was giving me high fives, and we were happy and was excited. And he'd finally see me win. I'll never forget that. Can I tell you that Jesus is standing at the end of the race? He's standing at the gates of heaven. Come on, son. Come on, butter. He's coaching. He's pulling. He wants you. Just stay in your lane. Stay disciplined. Stay in the Word. Follow the truth. Don't run well and quit. Man, you're in the race. Stay all in. Right? It'll be all worth it. Okay? There's a lot of mess going on. Okay? There's all the stuff coming up around us and behind us and over us and trying to get in front of us. But Jesus... Stands there and he's pulling for it. He's interceding. He's take and he can't wait. It's with open arms. He's going to be there. How incredible is that going to be when we cross that finish line and fall into Jesus' arms in heaven one last time? I love him tonight. He's done so much for me. I'm bound and determined I will cross that finish line. I'll fall into his arms. I'll hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Chris, you can come and play something if you want to. I don't know if anybody wants to come and pray tonight, but if you need to get back on track, man, after that sermon this morning, I can't imagine anybody not being on track. That was powerful. It was incredible. But hey, if you're not on track tonight, if you need to get back in the race, maybe you need to become a Christian and get in the race. Let's get in it to win it, right? We can, Hey, there's a whole world out there that's watching us, and we can't afford to stumble. We can't get knocked out of our lane, right? It's Jesus. Keep our eyes on Him. Stay disciplined. Let's worship Him. Let's stay in the Word. I love Him tonight. Would you stand with me?